Hey folks, have you heard of cancer-fighting foods? The American Cancer Society discovered diets rich in fruits and vegetables may actually lower your risk of cancer. Think about that for a second. That's really important. Hopefully, you hear this and run to the store for five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. But if you're like me, you probably don't have the time to do that, right? So maybe you should consider adding Field of Greens to your daily health regimen. Each fruit and veggie in Field of Greens was doctor-selected for studied health benefits. There's a heart health group, lungs, kidneys, and metabolism groups, even healthy weight. What your body needs is in each scoop of delicious Field of Greens. I take it every day. Sometimes I put it in a shake. Sometimes I put it in my egg white omelet in the morning. Field of Greens can help prevent, treat, and cure cancer? No, but it can powerfully help you audit your next checkup. Your doctor will notice your improved health or you're going to get your money back. Here's the most amazing thing about it. I started using Field of Greens a year ago. My cholesterol is down. My blood sugar is down. My weight's down. My health is up. My sleeping patterns are better. My metabolism is up. If you want to experience what I've experienced, go check out Field of Greens. Jump into the ring here. You're going to get an enormous benefit. And it's so simple. Single scoop, a couple of seconds, healthy lifestyle all day long. Now, thanks to our good friends at Brickhouse Nutrition, Field of Greens is going to give you a 15% off discount plus free rush shipping. All you got to do is go to fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS for your discount. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com, promo code JUSTNEWS. Go check it out. Hello, America, and happy Thursday. What a day we have planned for you. We have two really great interviews. It is a Mac Thursday. That's our opportunity each week to talk to one of the experts at the Association for Mature American Citizens, AMAC. And today we've got a very special one. We have the CEO of AMAC, Rebecca Weber, here to talk about what happened in the 2022 election. President Trump's big announcement Tuesday night, jumping in early. What do AMAC members think about that? And what is on deck for the 118th Congress? What issues should they focus on? Which ones should they avoid? And that's going to be a really great conversation. Rebecca always brings a lot of interesting ideas and intelligence that you might not have heard of. That's why we bring her on the show so often. She's fantastic. And then we're going to take a roll to Iran because Brian Lieb, well, he's the executive director of the Iranian Americans for Liberty. And there are some fairly disturbing really deeply concerning issues going on in Iran right now. Some of the people behind these protests that started 45, 50 days ago, they're about to be executed. The regime's tactics are so barbaric and brutal, and we really want to get Brian there to help us understand it. We also want to understand the role that Iran and its technologies have played in the war in Russia and Ukraine. That's right. We gave money a few years ago to Iran under the nuclear deal, which, by the way, didn't last. And then Iran turned around and created deadly drones that they're selling to Russia to kill Ukrainians who were supporting. So basically, we're in a proxy war with Iran through what's going on in Russia. Really scary stuff. And I know Brian's going to bring us up to speed on all of that. I think that's a really important conversation that we all need to have and that we are going to have. So, all right, a couple of quick things that we are working on that we think will be really fun. I don't know if you saw the story this morning. It is important for us to call out all of the companies as journalists, all the companies in Georgia that went out there and falsely predicted that the state's election integrity law would suppress voters. 
that was Jim Crow 2.0. It was so bad that Major League Baseball had to pull its all-star game from Atlanta. Now, those companies include Coca-Cola, right? They were out there banging in, on this thing and, and liking it to a problem. Delta Airlines, that was another big one that went out there. I remember when Coca-Cola's CEO called the law unacceptable and a step backwards. Well, guess what? First off, a federal judge appointed by Barack Obama looked at the Georgia law and said, uh, there's no discrimination here. There's nothing unconstitutional. It's not racially unfair or designed to suppress minority voters. So a Obama-appointed federal judge first debunked Coca-Cola, Delta, Major League Baseball, and all the others. But then the voters turned out, and they gave the most resounding rebuttal to those companies who made these claims. Voting turnout set a mid-year record this year in Georgia. And by the way, you know where it was really disproportionately high? In Atlanta, where the population is predominantly African-American. That's right. In fact, Fulton County made a larger percentage of the overall vote than... Uh, it's actual population representation. That's pretty amazing. So for MLB, Delta, Coca-Cola, and all the others, we've got a message for you. The Georgia people like their law. They actually believed it was easier to vote and harder to cheat, and that's why they showed up, and that's why corporations should stay out of meddling in politics. I think that's one of the things a lot of people get the message from. Natalia Middlestad has that incredible story this morning. Also, I think a very important dynamic, we have a good story from my good colleague, Aaron Kliegman, looking at how more, even more vitriolic the traditional news media are to Donald Trump as he launched his third presidential campaign. I think I said this on the television show last night. I was watching the New York Times instant coverage. You know, they had this like running blog of what was going on. It read more vitriolically, more anti-Trump than even the Democratic National Committee's things. It was so lacking in the neutrality that a journalist are expected and required to practice as part of their journalism. Great piece of journalism there, if you haven't had a chance to see it, by my good colleague, Aaron Kliegman, who we hope to get on there this morning. Uh, James Comer and Jim Jordan, two congressmen we have had on this show many times. Well, they came out and said, excuse me, folks, we have enough evidence to show that Biden was a beneficiary of the financial arrangements his sons were involved in, and that he was actually involved in them, contrary to what he told us when he ran for 2020 election. Another big thing that happened, county sheriffs out in Oregon, they're not going to enforce a new anti-gun law that is on the books that limits people's magazines. They're just not going to do it. They said, sorry. So a Second Amendment battle underway in the very blue state of Oregon. Those are some of the big stories that are making news right now. And I thought I'd like to catch you up on them. All right, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back first, an incredible conversation on AMAC Thursday with Rebecca Weber, the AMAC CEO. If you want to join AMAC like I did, match my five-year membership, get all the benefits that you're going to do, here's how you do it. You go to amac.us, A-M-A-C.us slash just use, sign up. You're going to listen to Rebecca Weber. You're going to know why you want to sign up after you listen to her. But that's the URL. Just keep that handy. It's a great place to go. And then after Rebecca, we're going to have a great conversation with Brian Lieb, the executive director of the Iranian Americans for Liberty, a group fighting for regime change and accountability and free speech and human rights for all the Iranians suppressed under a tyrannical regime in Tehran. All right, we're going to have that after this commercial break. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? 
Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. You know what it is. It's AMAC Thursday. I love this part of the week. We always end up with an amazing guest and a great conversation about things that are really relevant in our life that Washington and the political leaders in Washington need to address. And uh, today is no different. We're joining us. We're very lucky to have the CEO of AMAC back on the show, Rebecca Weber. Rebecca, welcome back. Thank you, John. How are you? Great to be with you. I am well. It's an exciting time. We're heading into a new Congress. The 2024 presidential election season's already got kicked off. Compliments of former President Donald Trump. And I saw that you did uh, a poll among your members heading into the Tuesday night announcement by former President Donald Trump. Tell us what your members said about their preferences for the 2024 candidate field. Fabulous. This is a poll that goes out to AMAC members. And our question was, who would you prefer as the next Republican presidential nominee? And here's what I thought really interesting. Uh, over 40, about 43% of respondents said former President Donald Trump hands down. 33% chose Governor Ron DeSantis. And 15% said, I really want Donald Trump, but he's got a lot of baggage that comes with him. So I may prefer another candidate. What this tells me is that well over 50% are saying Donald Trump, even with, um, uh, you know, a lot of the, uh, for lack of better words, we'll call it baggage, because we know that a lot of folks um, who had voted for him in, say, 2016, um, you know, didn't, didn't like his style. Our members loved Donald Trump, and they voted him as man of the year in 2020. And the reason for that, John, is we saw what he did. Uh, he built us a strong economy. We had a strong border. We were energy independent. And the issues, those are the issues that AMAC members care about. These are the things that they believe and trust that Donald Trump can deliver. Um, and, you know, they were excited to hear that that he, you know, in his second term, should he win, uh, that he, he wants to impose congressional term limits and banning, you know, ban taxpayer funding of campaigns. Um, he wants to rehire service members who were fired for refusing to take the COVID vaccine. Those issues resonate really well with our conservative membership uh, and they care. So we'll have to see uh, how things turn out. I personally think he did an incredible job. I, I thought the speech was marvelous. I think that if, if President Trump can continue focusing on the future, focusing on the issues, um, not get caught up in sort of the name calling. I think that he is almost unstoppable, but we'll have to see how things he's got. To, you know, there's, this will be a rough two years, I think, ahead of him, because you and I know he will be 
attacked from every angle. Oh, there's no doubt. In fact, it was going on live. I was I was actually monitoring the New York Times website as I as I do in a big event. You monitor the Republican Party, the Democratic Party, and some of the big news sites. The New York Times website had more vitriol and negativity towards President Trump's announcement than the Democratic National Committee's feed had. And that really just struck me how little neutrality there is in the media concerning Donald Trump. They can't even look at the policies and accomplishments with a neutral eye because they seem to have this obsession. The last time that happened, President Trump was able to work around the media through social media. He made it that digital tether through Twitter and Facebook. Some of those options are off the table. What are some of the effective ways you think President Trump can reboot the conversation with the American public, knowing that some of the traditional channels are poisoned with vitriol? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. I, I think that he remains focused and serious and talks about the issues that clearly are on the forefront of Americans' minds uh, and provides, you know, lays out a solution. And, and really, those those talking points are part of the commitment to America We've got to get America's economy, you know, we've got to be built on a strong path. We've got to get, go back to energy independence. But our nation is just simply not a safe place. And I think Trump was right when he said, can we withstand another four years or six years of this? Where will America be? Um, you know, we've, we've, uh, we've come a long way, but look how quickly uh, things can unravel and how quickly things can be turned on their head. Uh, so I think that the 118th Congress is going to have a, a tremendous amount of work ahead of them to remain focused. And uh, there, there are a lot of issues that I think that they ought to dig into. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, we know that a house divided, literally, uh, we've got a house divided, can often fall. Um, so I'm, I'm, uh, me, along with our AMAC members, really want to unify behind the candidates who respect freedom, who respect faith, institutions, accountability. And we know that these are, these are areas that Donald Trump, he's proven. Uh, he's done it before. So we know that um, if he, again, if he can remain focused on those issues, uh, I think he's, he, he's got a good chance to win back the hearts and minds of many people um, who unfortunately, John, have been brainwashed by so much of what they hear in mainstream media. Yeah, that is the counter force that we never had in politics. That mainstream media, when you and I were growing up, at least, would kind of keep its thumb off the scale. Not, I mean, there's always the question of bias, but there was a sense that, hey, they wouldn't really put their thumb on the scale in the mm -hmm. last six years. They have had their thumb, their foot, maybe uh, a couple of other extra shoes on, putting it on the scale, trying to really tip it. And that changes the dynamic of the political process so much for so many Americans. I want to turn to the 118th Congress here, because I think you had some really important points, and I want to dig into those. But one last thing, of all the lines that the president uttered, the line that I got a lot of reaction from from our readership on social media and people sending us questions on the TV show was he said, you know, we got to get stuck out of this ditch. We got to get out of the ditch we're stuck in right now. And I think that's a really prescient way of how people view America right now. We're in a big, giant rut. Everything that is normally good in America seems to be off pace. The inflation, the gas prices, the dinner table, our schools. It seems as though the president really connected with Americans on that issue. And I think you see a lot of that in your polling and your conversations with AMAC members, don't you? Oh, yeah. And, and you're right when you say that there's a lot working against our freedoms. We see it 
in our institutions, the FBI, the DOJ, but we're seeing it in corporations, in universities, in, uh, you know, through teachers' unions. Uh, it, is, it is really unbelievable to me that we're fighting to protect the dignity of young girls who want to change in a girls' locker room. It, it blows my mind that we've got to fight back against teaching uh, you know, 11-year-old girls about, you know, how wonderful the choice of abortion is. Um, so when, when you look at it at that level and, and when you look at churches that are and, and foster care facilities that are being attacked because they, they believe in traditional marriage uh, and, and they're being shut down or forced not to offer certain services, when you see the attack against the traditional values that make this America so great and those values are rooted truthfully in the belief in a God, in our creator God, uh, and, and understanding that our founding fathers, when they put together our beautiful documents, that they were absolutely tied to a fundamental belief in, in our creator and our Christian Judeo you know, faith and history. What we've got to do, in my view, this 118th Congress, John, is the first thing I think, um, they've got to focus really on making sound decisions. And one of the things that they ought to do is investigate the DOJ and the FBI. When you think about how these institutions are labeling average, everyday, hardworking, tax-paying, ordinary Americans as domestic terrorists because they care about protecting their son or daughter, that needs to be looked into. We need to look into the origins of COVID-19. The fact that Biden has done nothing uh, to, to talk about it is shameful, to say the least. Um, who leaked the Roe v. Wade decision? Those things matter. Um, We've got to stay focused on the commitment to America, which is going to, you know, really look to make America energy independent, strengthen our supply chains, uh, reduce crime, and defend our national security. These are so important. And then one issue, John, that we are getting uh, and excited to be, you know, have a seat at the table is on the issue of Social Security solvency. Uh, may not sound all that important with all of the other things we're talking about, but we know that it's going to lead to poverty when uh, in a few, you know, short handful of years when we see seniors take huge decreases. And I think that that was about one of the greatest Democrats' lies when they said um, yeah, it was outlandish that, uh, you know, that we, that, that conservatives or Republicans are against uh, strengthening Social Security. So that is, uh, that is not true. And we here at AMAC are committed uh, to ensuring future solvency of Social Security. So there's a lot of work. We're excited to roll up our sleeves and get started, um, but we certainly need to unify behind these, these good, strong America First candidates. It's really fascinating to take a look at the movement that began in the spring and summer of 2021, the parents' rights movement. It's had a profound effect at the local level where school boards are much more engaged and parents have run for school boards and thrown out school board members that they believe weren't aligned with the values of their community. There is talk of creating a parents' rights legislation for all Americans. So there's a general standard that every community that gets federal school funding should follow. I know conservatives aren't big fans of big regulation, but is there, you think, popular support for some broad parents' rights legislation that makes sure that educators all across this country understand parents don't have to co-parent their children with the bureaucrats? I do think that there would be support there, but I think we've got to get to really the root of the problem, and that is 
a, uh, in, you know, dangerously infested Department of Justice and FBI that has, is no longer doing the work that they were put in place to do. Uh, for example, I mean, I, I just want to, you know, the Department of Justice, uh, we posted, put up an article. Um, it's amazing how they're going after and quickly announcing the indictment of pro-lifers uh, who are, who are, are not, they're nonviolent pro-life protesters. They're being targeted under this freedom of access to clinic entrances, which is uh, known as FACE, F-A-C-E. Uh, that was enacted by President Joe Biden's DOJ. And, you know, you hear about another group or um, care centers, Compass Care being one of them. He said his center was firebombed months ago, and he hasn't heard anything from the FBI. I mean, it could cause a half million dollars in damages. So I think that um, parents should not be, uh, you know, you've got too much power. There's too much power and no oversight. Um, these these institutions, we need, to, we need to build back faith in government. And, you know, I think that just going back to your, your statement on parental rights, where it really needs to start and where we need to do a lot of work is on a local level, in our school boards, on our school boards, and at the kitchen table with our children. You know, we've got to sit down with our kids and we've got to know what they're here, what they're listening to, who's teaching them, what their homework, what homework has been assigned, and really play that very important role that the family plays in America because the family is under great attack. I think it's a spiritual war, but it's under great attack. And our members agree that, that the family unit is perhaps the one the one area where we can turn turn back things and take back our children and uh, our schools and and hopefully uh, save the future of America because we we're not going to be able to last this way in my view this is this is just um, it's unbelievable is all I can say <laughs> I think all of your listeners know you you open up the news each day and you say how much worse can things get so we're we're excited that you know we're we're optimistic. I mean, John, I, I believe that, um, you know, the truth, the truth always prevails. And I do think that there are so many good people in America. Um, and I, I see what's happening here. I believe that uh, timing is everything and God's got perfect timing. So uh, I've got a lot of hope and optimism for our future. Yeah. I love your podcast. I just think that what you guys are doing with the conversation that occurs in the podcast is so amazing. Better for America. And Will Witt, who I've worked with very closely down at the Florida Standard, has been really highlighting one of the subtle but very aggressive ways that school bureaucrats are trying to hijack parents' ability to educate their children. Uh, he, he, you talked to him yesterday, I think it was, about the promotion of sex apps in, in Florida schools. Now, Florida's actually got a pretty good school surveillance system that's pretty parent-friendly. But even there, these sort of sex apps that are being pushed on children way too young to, and sometimes even handle the issue. You really did a great job hiring that on the Better for America podcast. Tell us a little bit about what you walked away from that conversation. Will Witt's a fantastic journalist and, of course, one of the great rock stars that come out of Prager University. But you walked away with, I think, some pretty strong thoughts about what you learned about from Will, right? I sure did. Well, one thing I recognized and is that if this kind of stuff, and, and for your listeners, uh, you know, he pointed out that there are some really terrible, terrible books uh, and suggestions and, uh, you know, teachers are influencing children in ways uh, that parents are not aware of. When you encourage young people to get online uh, to a gay sex site, uh, they, they are absolutely can be targeted 
by sexual predators, we need to protect our most vulnerable. And when I learned that this is happening in Florida, where you think, oh, that's, you know, largely they're doing a lot of good things. DeSantis is doing a phenomenal job. Our members believe he's really doing a great job in Florida. You think, how could this be happening, right? Well, if it's happening there, it is happening across the country, likely hundreds or thousands of schools, you know, and then, of course, the... Um, the glorification and the central, you know, really glorifying abortion to 11 and 12 year old girls. Um, it's very painful to read through the book because anyone who has had an abortion knows that at some point uh, it's not an easy decision for a woman. There's a lot of emotional pain that accompanies that. That's the kind of stuff, if we're going to talk about it, we should talk about both sides. And that's not what's happening. So I I think that there's a real evil, and uh, Will is, is a great, great man. He, he's doing a fabulous job with the Florida Standard to try to offer an alternative news site, because even in Florida, um, you've got leftist news organizations that are dominating there. Um, so he's doing a great job in pointing this stuff out. It's, it's a tough conversation, and it's, it's not really fun to talk about, but if we, if we don't do it, who will? Yeah, it is. And it's something that's been happening below the radar. And I think the, what, what Will has been able to do at the Florida Standard and we're a partner with is there, they get some of their national news from Justin News is really expose the subtle but persistent ways that people who are trying to hijack parents' control and ability to educate their children about life's issues, all the different ways and subtle ways that they're doing it, which over long term, each little subtle thing ends up creating a much larger equation of a much stronger form of persuasion against the parents' wishes. And I think we're starting to see that in pretty remarkable ways. Uh, Rebecca, you, you talked about the 118, the oversight agenda. Uh, it seems to me in early conversations with people around Kevin McCarthy, one of the first things they're going to do in the first few weeks is get rid of those 87,000 IRS agents, shrink back the power of the IRS, open up an investigation of the FBI and other places where politicization has become weaponized. Law enforcement has become weaponized because of politicization. Do you feel good about those two agenda items being early in the new 118th Congress? I do, because here's why. This is going to protect our, our middle America, everyday people, hardworking people. That's who the 87,000 IRS agents are going to go after. They're going to go after the, the landscaper who's breaking his back. They're going to go after uh, the struggling two-family household that's trying to put food on the table. And we don't need that. We do not need that. Law enforcement, yeah, our police officers, our law enforcement, they ought to be honored. Um, they, they are heroes. Uh, they do a tough job. They've got courage. And they've been so disrespected. Um, it's not to say that we've, we've got to have good training in place. We've got to make sure that we weed out any bad apples and uh, that we ensure that that does not happen. Uh, so there, there are good ways to, do about, to, to go about that. There are good solutions. So I do. I think that those are very important issues, and uh, our members are, are eager to see, see them get to work. Yeah, that they are. I just got my membership recently as part of our partnership, and I love it. I got my packet at home. There are so many things I didn't realize come with being a member of AMAC. And we've got a special offer, everybody. You can go to amac.us slash Just News. You're going to get special prices. I did the five-year membership. You should do it. If you want to test it, go over and jump in at least for the year. 
But uh, Rebecca, all these benefits that I didn't know come with it, everything from more choices on Medicare insurance to discounts to all of the information flow that you provide all, all AMAC members so they can be more informed citizens. Tell us a little bit about your favorite benefits that you're able to offer the great army that is the AMAC Citizenship Group. Well, you know, I'm proud of the whole the whole team here. We are celebrating our 15th year of advocacy and dedication to building exclusive member benefits. And if you ask me for my favorite, you know, we uh, I might have to tell you that that is our Medicare advisory service. And I'll tell you why. Everyone who who speaks with an AMAC member, we've hired, we've vetted, we've trained, we've put them through extensive training. They're licensed. They're experts with Medicare. When We've got we've got a high level of service that we command here at AMAC. So AMAC members are going to speak with somebody who's going to help them navigate. We don't push sales. We don't pressure people. We just want to offer a service to people who are confused about the A, B, Cs, and Ds of Medicare. It is phenomenal. It's open enrollment or annual election time right now. So for anybody listening, check us out. There's an 800 number uh, on our website. That number is 800-334-9. 330, but it is a great program. Um, and, and, you know, we, we, I, I see member testimonials and I, perhaps that's why I love it so much, John, you know, I get mem- member testimonials. People are writing in, emailing me, telling me that I had no idea what to do. I couldn't figure out exactly what plan was right for me. And because AMAC offers choices, um, you were able to help me. So that, that, that gives me a lot of gratification knowing that we're helping people access the health care that they need. So important. I'll just tell a little fun story. So my wife had been out of town for a couple of weeks helping a family member. She did such great stuff. I'm so proud of her. And like when she came home, I knew she was pretty tired from the drive back. So I was going to go get her flowers and it just happened. I was on the AMAC site and I realized, hey, I can get 20% off on my flowers at 1-800-Flowers. And so I just, I did it. Now she doesn't know I got the discount, but it was a thought that counted. But there are just so many places where there are these benefits that I, you know, I, I never knew of until I became a member. And so folks, if you want to get in this game, you love what Rebecca talks about, you love her podcast, go join the AMAC Army. It is, it is an extraordinary experience. Match me. I did a five-year membership. You should do it too. It's very easy. All you got to do is go to amac.us slash just news. amac.us slash just news. That's pretty easy to remember. Rebecca, one last thought. There's a lame duck Congress. The Democrats are going to try to squeeze in anything else they can get out of Dodge before Republicans take over the House. What are you looking for in the CR? What are some of the warning signs you're going to be policing on behalf of Americans all around the country? We'll be, we'll be right there. We'll be tracking. Um, we've got AMAC action that'll be up there on the Hill that we'll, we'll be, uh, you know, certainly sitting down to ensure and holding people accountable, John, that's what we've got to do is hold people accountable. Um, We've got a series of workshops scheduled with our uh, over 350 AMAC chapter leaders and delegates across the country. We're putting together our legislative agenda for 2023. And we are ready uh, ready to engage and ready to bring the voice of over 2 million members uh, to the halls of Congress we are here to fight on behalf of every AMAC member. Uh, that is so important. That's why we exist. It's why Dan Weber formed, and it's what we will do. 
Yeah, well, it's fun to watch you in action. We saw the incredible army of volunteers that went out this election to make sure we had an election that was easy to vote and hard to cheat. That was all organized by AMAC. So many amazing things going on. And of course, today's update, among the most valuable things people will get going into the holiday season. So Rebecca, we love AMAC Thursdays. We love our partnership. We love all the things that you're doing for this great country. And thanks for joining us. Thank you, John. All right, folks, one more time. I just want to remind you because you don't want to miss out. This is a great opportunity. amac.us slash Just News. Go sign up today. You will be as surprised as I was. I've really enjoyed my membership. and I'm just a few weeks into it. All right, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. As you know, at justthenews.com, we're constantly covering the extraordinary events going on in Iran right now. The people of Iran seeking the freedom they've been denied for five or six decades, protesting the current regime. And this particular protest, unlike the one in 09 that was led by students, is predominantly led by women. And it has had such a profound effect. The world and the West have been slow to embrace it, though they're catching up. And I thought it'd be a good time today to to get us a good report on what's been going on the last few weeks. There's an ominous turn for some of the leaders of this protest. They've been sentenced to death now. We're going to start to see some executions. So I thought I'd bring in a real expert, someone who's leading rallying support in America for not only the Iranian protesters, but for a more sane and sound U.S. policy towards Iran in the Middle East. His name is Brian Leib, and he is the executive director of Iranian Americans for Liberty. Brian, great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. Good to be on the show. And and uh, it certainly is a, a very interesting time happening in the Middle East right now. Uh, and what I always like to, to talk about, and we'll dive into deeper here, is that there is such a clear line in the sand between the uh, malign and terrorist Islamic Republic of Iran and the freedom and liberty-seeking Iranian people. And what you're seeing right now with these protests, there, I say revolution, is that the liberty-seeking Iranian people are saying enough is enough, and uh, and we'll dive into this. But thank you for having me here. Yeah, it's an amazing thing. And we've had two moments, I would say, in the last 15 years. I think the first was the Green Revolution, the Green Uprising in 2009. 
Barack Obama, by his own admission recently, missed an opportunity to embrace those protesters. I know a lot about that one because I had one of my reporters captured there and had to negotiate with the mullahs to get him free when I was editor of the Washington Times. But looking back at that moment, realizing, wow, did the United States miss an opportunity there? And to his credit, much belatedly, Barack Obama recently said, I should have done more. I should have embraced it. And let's not make the same mistake now. But it seems as though the Biden administration has been far more muted than the opportunity many people see to embrace these protesters, to give them strength and support and rally the Western world behind them. How do you referee first? the Biden administration's policy to Iran since they got in January 21st, 2021, and their handling and embrace of these current protests, which are now in their 50th or 60th day. Well, I think when when we learned that, that Biden and his administration were going to be coming into power, my organization and, and a lot of people in this world, in the foreign policy world, you know, we, we knew it was kind of going to be you know, Obama 3.0 or 2.0, and that uh, whether that was domestic or foreign policy, but specifically on foreign policy. And and we were right because some of President Biden's very first hires were former uh, Obama alums, uh, very same people that struck the disastrous uh, JCPOA deal in the first place. Um, so, you know, I'm not surprised that uh, the Biden administration has been more um, of an appeasement administration when it comes to the moles in Tehran because that's what they've always been. Um, they never once have, have gotten tough uh, with uh, this regime. And it's a stark difference, in my opinion, when you compare the Trump administration to the, the Biden administration. Uh, you know, Iran was never weaker and Israel was never stronger. Uh, during the Trump administration. And now the complete opposite can be said uh, for the Biden administration being in place. And one of the, the great examples of that, uh, John, would be that at one point, uh, the last month or two of, of the Trump administration, uh, the IMF had reported that the Islamic Republic of Iran was down to around three or four billion dollars in international reserves. Um, and sure, that's a lot of money for you and me and, and all of your listeners, but for a sovereign nation like Iran, that's uh, keeping the lights on for a couple months. And it, they were getting down to the nubs. And, and you know, uh, it pains me to, to report now that after um, 20, 21 months of the Biden administration in power, uh, the Islamic Republic's international reserves have ballooned to well over $50 billion. Um, and, you know, when the world's leading sponsor of terrorism has that much more money at their disposal, I mean, you see what's happening, not just in the Middle East, but throughout throughout the world uh, in terms of the, the unrest uh, that, that's happening and, and how there's been this new nucleus of, of power, access to power being Russia, China and Iran. And then, of course, a lot of other small actors along the way. So. No, it's definitely the, the Trump administration versus the Biden administration, not just on Iran, but on foreign policy as a whole, I think is night and day. And, and let me just quickly talk about the, the ongoing protests. And, and, and many weeks ago, when it first started happening, I said, this, this looks different. It smells different um, than protests in the past. And, and dare I say, there is a revolution happening inside the Islamic Republic right now. Uh, and it is, as you mentioned in your opening, John, it, is, it started with women. Uh, because of the horrible killing of Masa Amini, 
Um, and what's very interesting about kind of this reiteration of a, of a revolution is you have men that are locking arms with Iranian women and taking to the streets and supporting them. And it's the younger generation. And a lot of these Arab countries, whether it be uh, Iran or Morocco or Sudan or Bahrain or UAE or Saudi Arabia, they all have a pretty, you know, a pretty young population. Uh, and, and Iran is no different. And a lot of the, these young Iranians, I'm talking, you know, anyone under the age of, let's say, 40 years old, um, they are sick and tired of, of dealing with the mullahs in Tehran that have done nothing since 1979 except murder and censor and oppress the Iranian people. And they've shipped billions, billions out the door, funding terrorist proxies all around the world. Um, the Iranian people have never really benefited at all from that revolution in 1979. The only people that have benefited from it were uh, the Khomeini, not Khomeini regime, and anyone supporting uh, that regime. So, yeah, I think what's happening right now is fantastic, and and it really there there's there is an opportunity right now, John, for the Biden administration to grow uh, a spine um, and and really do something to support the Iranian people. And I'm not talking about putting out statements. I'm not talking about sending out tweets. I'm talking about enacting the stiffest and toughest sanctions ever heard of before on the Islamic Republic and also getting our European allies to do the same thing. The time is now for this administration to take a strong stance against uh, the Khomeini regime. I don't think they're going to, but, but, but they should, John. They really should. Yeah, it's fascinating to see the silence. And I know a lot of people have always said historically, silence is complicity. We'll have to see. And, and what makes it even worse, if I could just add to that, is, is when the Biden administration has grown uh, the, that spine that I talked about and, and has spoken up, it's just been one misstep after another. I mean, you had Robert Malley, who's the U.S. envoy to Iran, uh, come out a couple of weeks ago and say, well, the Iranian people are taking to the streets and protesting because they're looking for reforms from their government. And, and then that Price, the State Department spokesperson under Anthony Blinken, uh, pretty much said the same thing last week. I mean, how tone deaf can 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 our, our U.S. officials be, you know, when Iranians are on the streets burning down billboards of Khomeini, setting statues that honor Qasem Soleimani on fire and chanting for death to the dictator, how is that calling for reforms? That's not calling for reforms. That's calling for a, a completely new government. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's really unfortunate this administration, even like I said, when they have found uh, the guts to speak up, it, it, it's just one folly after another. And John, I would also ask you this and ask your listeners to think about this. Can you name me one foreign policy achievement that the Biden administration has had in the last 21 months? It's hard. Listen, it's really hard to do, right? There's so few things that they've done. And it can, I can count on all my hands and toes and fingers all of the setbacks we've had from Afghanistan to the first Chinese meeting in Alaska. There have been so many extraordinary failures. I talk to a lot of world leaders sometimes on this podcast, and they say, we're dying for some American leadership. We just don't know when we're going to get it. I think it's a pretty remarkable moment in history to see that standing. Now, you were down in Mar-a-Lago for President Trump's announcement of his third campaign. Uh, very different tone about what we need to do on the world stage. What was your impression? You know, my tone, uh, it's just kind of steal uh, uh, the former governor, Mike Huckabee's description uh, of the speech. I, I think it was pitch perfect. 
Um, it was it was a message that was very presidential. It was very on point, on message, direct, strong, inspiring hope. And I don't know whether the president was looking to do this or not, but I got the impression that his speech was trying to really kind of take the temperature down in, in, in the country right now and to kind of reset, but at the same time to also say, you know, what's happening right now in our country is not good. It's not sustainable, whether that's the, the horrible things happening on our southern border and the illegal immigration, the fentanyl that's coming through our border that's killing Americans every single day, uh, whether that's the crime in every major city in America that is through the roof. I mean, record homicide rates in every major city in America. Um, there's too, you know, too, many, too many horrible things in this country happening right now really to, to talk about. And then when you talk about foreign policy, you have Russia-Ukraine war. Uh, you have the uh, Islamic Republic playing a major role in that, supplying drones to Russia. Uh, I don't know if this actually materialized, but there were, there were talks, I think, a week or two ago that the Islamic Republic was also going to be providing uh, mid-range missiles to Russia. Uh, none of this would be happening. And President Trump has said this before, and I agree with him. Russia would not be going to war with Ukraine. Uh, China would not be flexing on Taiwan. Uh, the Islamic Republic would probably be a completely different country. It wouldn't be the Islamic Republic anymore. It would be Iran. Um, and it would be the freedom and liberty seeking people of Iran that are charting their future right now and not the Mullahs in Tehran. So, yeah, um, I, I think President Trump's speech was fantastic. Uh, I think his tone was, was on point. Um, and, you know, there's a... a I, we can't ignore the fact, John, that there's a lot of media sources out there, um, Fox News and that empire being one of them, that are really uh, doing anything that they can to try and knock this president down. Um, and I think it was Fox News that said that it was a low energy speech and that people were leaving halfway through. First of all, it was not a low energy speech. And second of all, I was in the room. There was no one that was leaving in the middle of the speech. So. Um, you know, the president is, has an uphill battle here, um, and uh, but I think he's up for the challenge. And as he said, you know, he's 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 coming back uh, to the plate here for for a third time because what's happening in our country right now is unsustainable. And, you know, whether you like whether people like President Trump's uh, approach uh, and, the, and like the way he speaks and his rhetoric, whether they like that or not, I think overwhelmingly people in America can agree that there was a lot of great things happening in this country right now, and the world was not laughing at us the way they're laughing at us right now. So say what you want about how President Trump delivers his message. At the end of the day, um, his actual end result on so many different uh, domestic and foreign policy issues were, were on point. Um, and I think that as long as he stays on message, uh, throughout this campaign and, and remind the American people about what, what the great things that were happening when he was president and sticks on that message, I think he has a very good shot uh, at, at, at getting back into the White House. I do think it's very important that he picks the right running date, and we can talk about that if, if you want to. Yeah, no, I, I want to get into a little more electoral politics. Let me just wrap up on Iran because you do such a good job and you have such expertise that few Americans have, such visibility into what's going on in Iran. 
What is it that the American government, the West, can do right now to facilitate these protesters succeeding, which is they want to create regime change? What are the potential opportunities that exist to achieve that outcome? Well, I, I think the, the lifeline of the Islamic Republic of Iran are their financial resources. And, and if the United States of America, along with our European allies, were to, uh, to launch comprehensive, sweeping, and the toughest sanctions ever possible on anyone inside of the Islamic Republic, anyone that does business with the Islamic Republic, and I think also coupled with uh, announcing that all diplomatic ties, uh, the countries that do have official ties uh, with the Islamic Republic, uh, and that they, they would announce all diplomatic ties are being severed. Uh, I think things like that uh, would certainly be very helpful and it would weaken, uh, weaken this regime in a big, big way. Um, and and a lot of a lot of that can be done without any bullets flying, without any missiles flying. And, and I briefly mentioned earlier about, you know, how the Trump administration had really weakened uh, the Islamic Republic in a major, major way. You know, John, they did all of that, um, you know, without without any bloodshed, without any military. They did it strictly through sanctions uh, and using the power of the purse. And, and I think that if we were to partner together with our European allies to really get serious about this, um, that that would be a step in the right direction. And at the end of the day, it's up to the Iranian people to, to chart, chart their, um, you know, their destiny. And, and I think it's, you know, people sometimes are leery of talking about regime change in America because we don't want to be perceived as, you know, we're meddling in another country. But, you know, there should be regime change. This regime has done absolutely nothing uh, to support or help their own people. Uh, they've done nothing but inspire and foster terrorism all around the world. Um, and, and they're not a good partner for, for anyone except countries like China and Russia, um, who share, share a lot of their opinions and beliefs. So, um, but, but for any of your view, uh, listeners that, that, that are hearing this, um, you know, I, I will say, even though it's tough for the Iranian people sometimes to see uh, messages on social media because of the way the regime restricts their access, messages do tend to get through sometimes. Um, and, uh, you know, my organization has, has done, a, I think, a, a pretty decent job at getting elected members uh, uh, of the House and Senate to, to use their social media platforms to voice their support for the Iranian people. And I know those messages have gone through, and I know messages like that are, no pun intended, the fuel uh, to keep this fire going so the Iranian people know that they're not alone. So if any of your listeners want to take the social media and, and speak out in support of the Iranian people, little things like that uh, actually, believe it or not, go, go a long way. It really does. And I think each of us, our voices matter. They need to know that we're standing alongside them in the fight for freedom and against tyranny. One last question, then I'm going to turn to the election politics, because you ran for Congress once, so you know you know all about what it takes to win on the street. Any doubt when you see these Russians using these kamikaze-like drones that Iran provided them, that those drones were made possible by the money that the Obama administration gave as part of the 2015-16 nuclear deal? Did we indirectly help fund the Russian war against Ukraine with these Iranian drones? Uh, we certainly have. I mean, those are those are confirmed reports uh, that uh, Iranian drones are are in the field right now uh, and are being used by the Russians. And, 
And uh, I don't think that we should be surprised that this is going to happen. You know, when, when the United States of America, who um, who is and should be the most powerful nation in the world, I don't know if we are still today, but we were at one point. We certainly were during President Trump's administration. Um, but but when when the when the United States of America kind of relinquishes our 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 seat at that leadership table, um, and there becomes this vacuum of power, uh, countries like Russia, like China, and like the Islamic Republic are going to seize on that moment. And and what we've seen happen um, just the last 20, 21 months now is these three countries have gotten closer than ever before. It was last summer that China flew in to Tehran to announce a 25-year trade deal, which uh, was the equivalent of around $400 billion in uh, investment coming from China. Uh, and Russia has done similar deals as well. Uh, so you have you have an enormous amount of, of money that is flowing into the Islamic Republic. Uh, that money was not flowing in uh, when we had a strong uh, strong president uh, who wasn't afraid uh, to uh, to exert our our position of power on the world stage. So um, I, I can't say I'm shocked or surprised, um, but the reality of the situation is is that. Iran, uh, the, the regime in, in Tehran is playing a direct and, and very indirect role uh, in supporting and enabling Russia uh, in, in their war against Ukraine, 100 percent. All right, let's go to a little bit of election politics, follow up on the Trump visit. I think there are two consequential decisions that President Trump and the Republicans are going to have to make if they're going to have a chance to one win the nomination and then the election. The first is a recognition that Republicans can no longer sit on the sidelines and not leverage absentee and early voting in the places where it's legal. I'm not suggesting we do it illegally, but there are lots of places where the Democrats go into election day with hundreds of thousands of more ballots advantage. I want to ask you your opinion on that. A lot of people are telling me that's the case that the Republicans are going to jump in now. You're in Charlie Kirk, a lot of famous people, including MAGA people saying time to get in. Secondly, how important is President Trump's vice presidential pick? Well, I, I, I think, listen, I, I think mail-in mail -in ballots have a place um, in some respects. And, you know, for, for people that aren't able to get to the polls, for people that will be away on Election Day, you know, that's what mail-in ballots used to be before COVID. Now they're designed to help a couch potato vote. That's what they're doing. In some states, that's what they're using them for. Exactly. I mean, I, I think the, the, situ the, the whole mail-in ballot situation has really been, has really been weaponized. Um, to 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 kind of replace the you know the typical voting and and there's certainly listen there's there's a lot of shady things that happen in politics uh, I'll tell you very quickly a story about something that I saw firsthand in Philadelphia when I ran for Congress in 2018 and by the way I'll tell you I had, I never had a shot in hell I was in the third most Democratic district in the country but I loved my city and I was tired of the status quo and that's why I decided to step up and run and worked hard every single day to try and make a difference in the city. Um, but I remember a couple months before election day, I was speaking uh, to a, uh, a community group in Southwest Philadelphia. And I, I was the first person in and I went in and I spoke and, you know, left and, and, you know, after my speech and I was sitting in the car afterwards making uh, fundraising calls. Uh, which is 
so much fun in the third most democratic district in the country asking people to support my race. Um, but I'm out there making fundraising calls. Like drilling for water in a desert, right? Pretty much. Uh, and I, you know, I'm on, I'm on the phone and making calls and, and I, and so coming in behind me at this event was, 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 um, uh, the gentleman that I was running against. And, um, I remember my, my driver, my aide, he kind of tapped me a couple times and said, Brian, look at this. And I kind of shoot him away, and I was like, I'm on the phone, and he really nudged me hard. He said, Brian, you got to look at this. I said, okay, I'll call you back. And I'm start looking. And I said, Jeremy, what am I looking at? He says, Brian, what are the, why are people holding pizza boxes like this? And I said, okay. And I'm looking at these people. Now, John, when you hold a pizza box, you know, you hold it out in front of you. You hold it flat. You know, you don't want the pizza and the sauce to get all over the place, right? One after uh, Person after person kept coming out of this meeting with pizza boxes tucked under their arms like they were holding on to a football. Now, if one person had did it, I would have said, man, they don't like pizza too much. <laughs> but the more and more people that did it, and after speaking with some, some people in the community afterwards, there was no pizza inside of those pizza boxes, John. There was cash inside of those pizza boxes. And, and people were getting paid to either vote or not to vote and getting people in their community to do the same thing. So when people talk about how there's, there's fraud and how there's corruption in our politics, there 100% is. And I really don't understand why people get so upset when, when we talk about this. Um, there is, is an enormous amount of fraud. Uh, an enormous amount of corruption in politics as a whole, and especially with elections. So the final thought on that is, is we definitely need to do something to, to end this mass uh, mail-in ballots. Uh, a friend of mine, and maybe a friend of yours, uh, Representative Andy Biggs, had put out a tweet actually saying, it's election day, not election month. And, and he's right. And, and, and we really should get back to that. Um, and okay, now let's talk about vice president uh, uh, candidates. You know, there's there's two people that 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 I personally really really like, and and I like them for a lot of reasons. The first one would be Elise Stefanik uh, from New York. Elise is 37 or 38 years old. She is a fantastic leader. She has uh, a good vision for this country. She's a great fundraiser. Uh, she's a great campaigner. Um, and I think that she uh, and President Trump have a nice relationship and, and, and how they, they've done some things together. And I've seen them in action before, and, it, and it's, it's, it's a pretty good balance. I think that she would help um, draw in a lot of the, the female votes that, that, that we lost, that President Trump lost in the last election. And I also think that Elise, uh, Elise could help bring in more moderates and also some independents. Uh, so Elise uh, Stefanik is, is number one who I'm thinking of. And number two, who I'm thinking of, and no one really talks about him at all, but I've got to tell you, I am so impressed with Congressman Byron Donald down here in Florida. Sure. A lot of people are. are. He's, he's a new generation Republican that really is, it re really has his messaging, really connects with everyday Americans, doesn't it? You know, it's, it's the messaging, but, you know, in, in, in politics and really like kind of anything 
when you're trying to pitch pitch someone or you're trying to sell someone, they have to feel your passion. They have to they have to really kind of buy into what you're saying. And I got to tell you, I think I think Byron Donald could sell ISO and Eskimo with his eyes closed. Um, and he is just such a good public speaker. Uh, he's a genuine guy, great family man, loves this country. And, you know, he, he's not a career politician. He was a, a private sector business guy in the banking world. He got involved as a state senator uh, and quickly rose up to the ranks. He, he won his election, by the way, last week. He won 70 percent of the vote uh, in, in, in his uh, congressional district. So. I think either Byron Donalds or Elise Stefanik are good for so many different reasons. Um, they're young. They're the next generation of leadership. Uh, they are the future of the Republican Party, in my opinion. And, and I think I really hope um, that, that the president looks at either one of those two or someone like them. Um, and, and really, because, you know, someone, you know, if he picks, uh, forgive me for being so blunt about this, but if he picks, you know, just another, you know, old white guy, um, I, I, I just, I don't see how that advances um, the campaign. Uh, and I just don't think he's going to be able to win back a lot of voters that might have left. And, and I think that Elise and Byron both bring very unique things to the table to help with different demographics. Um, and like I said, they're the future of this Republican Party. And, um, I'd love to see either of them. I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on what I just said. Well, listen, a vice presidential pick can electrify a base and make a big statement about who a president intends to represent and how they intend to represent him. A safe pick, something designed to, to telegraph, hey, I'm picking someone that can just, you know, succeed me as president. Those first two fall into that category, right? That electrifying category that can, you know, send a message to young women voters who have actually peeled away from the Republican Party in recent years or to African-American voters who are beginning to, in increasing numbers, look at the Republican Party because of the things Donald Trump has said and done. So those both are, I mean, they're two names I haven't heard as Veeps, but they certainly fit that area of electrification that, you know, when you're running a third time, people already know most everything about you, right? There's very few moments where you get the table set and say, I can make a difference or I, I can get you to think of me in a different light. Those sort of picks would certainly do that for President Trump. Really interesting, Brian, to, to have that conversation with you and uh, all the political background that you have uh, running for Congress. Uh, really interesting thing. Real quickly, because we're running up against commercial break, what is the best way, Brian, for people to stay in touch with the great work that you and your group does helping America understand Iran? Sure. Uh, well, well, thanks again for having me on. And um, I hope we can we can talk more about things like this in the future as the situation develops. Um, best way you know, to follow me is uh, good old fashioned uh, is, is Twitter. Uh, my handle is Brian with a Y, L-E-I-B, and then F-L. So Brian Live F-L uh, on Twitter. Um, and uh, for my organization, the Iranian Americans for Liberty, we are at Liberty Iranian on all social media platforms. And uh, you can certainly check us out uh, on social media, check out our websites, our YouTube channels. Uh, and we've got some pretty exciting things uh, that are planned uh, for the next uh, next year. Uh, now that Republicans have a majority, uh, we're very well positioned to, to really start making a dent uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a very big way, in a, in a way that's going to help the Iranian people. Um, and, um, 
and really you know, strengthen the future of this country. So we're, I think we're in a really good place. Important values, no doubt about it. Really great to have the conversation and we got to stay focused on Iran. There's so many distractions here and, here and abroad, but what's going on, Iran? We cannot leave the brave freedom fighters in Iran to fend for themselves. We've got to support them. And Brian, you made that point really clear. So appreciate that. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. What a great show. Big thanks to Rebecca Weber and Brian Lieb, two great guests. A lot of news, a lot of headlines, a lot of perspective, a lot of facts that you can't get anywhere else. That's why we do John Solomon Reports, why we have the Justin News brand, why we do the Justin News No Noise show every day on television, because it's important to us. We want you to be able to hear from people you might not get here from who are censored or kept from the mainstream media who have really important facts. Rebecca Weber at AMAC, Brian Lieb at Iranian Americans for Liberty, two great examples of that. Hey, I want to give you the lay of the land for the rest of the week because we've got a busy week and weekend coming up. First, tomorrow, for the first time ever, I'm going to do a joint podcast with former congressman, former ambassador, Pete Hookstrap. He is from Michigan, of course. He was the former chairman of the House Intelligence Committee before Devin Nunes, one of the most respected security and intelligence voices in the world, one of the smartest political people in Washington. We are going to do a special series of reports together over the next year. The first is going to be tomorrow on this podcast. So buckle your seatbelt. You're going to love this. Uh, Ambassador Hoekstra is going to really help us dig into the state of America. That's the name of this special report, the state of America. We've got some amazing guests, including Devin Nunes, the man who succeeded Pete Hoekstra as Republican House Intelligence Committee chairman. We've got James Comer, the chairman of the soon to be chairman of the House Oversight Committee. We're going to talk about oversight and the importance of that. And then we're going to bring in Jay Kristen Adams, former Justice Department voting rights prosecutor, runs a group today that's fighting for integrity. He's going to tell us the unresolved issues in election integrity in America after the 2022 election. By the way, he feels very strongly that we need to do more to get in the game of ballot harvesting and ballot collection absentee ballots. Now, he wants to do it lawfully based on each state's laws. California, New York, you can harvest. In Georgia and Arizona, you can't. But the idea that conservative Americans will not engage in the early absentee vote, I think that's losing favor. I think the realization of the last two elections is that conservatives have to play the game to stay equal with the Democratic Party, which has turned that into an expert 
effort at getting out low propensity voters. All right, folks, that is something to watch for tomorrow. That's going to be a special, The State of America. It is brought to us by the Citizens Commission on national security. My good friend, Roger Aronoff, great journalist, used to work at PBS. He created this incredible citizens group to go and investigate things. Its first target was the Benghazi tragedy. Over the years, they have looked at many other important issues. They've got lots of great national security experts on their team, including Ambassador Pete Hoekstra, who will be joining us tomorrow. We're really looking forward to that. Now, I want to tell you about Saturday and Sunday as well, because we got great lineups. On Saturday, we're going to talk with former Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee, his daughter, Sarah, is now the governor-elect of Arkansas, following in his footsteps. He's got a lot of things to say about his daughter's success, about the state of the Republican Party, about the lessons from the 2022 midterm elections, and about Donald Trump 3.0, the new effort by Donald Trump to run yet again for president. And then after that, Liz Harrington, President Trump's national spokeswoman. She's going to be here. We're going to dig into all the things that the president accomplished in his speech, what he wants to accomplish, what wasn't done that's going to be done, what happened over the next few months. Is he on the campaign trail, retooling policies? Liz Harrington is going to give us the 411, the skinny, on what's really going on inside Mar-a-Lago ahead of the holidays and, and in the aftermath of President Trump being the first to jump into the 2024 race. And then on Sunday, we've got a really eclectic group of experts, really great, great Yes, uh, you're going to love the Sunday brunch edition of John Solomon Reports. Why? Because Paul Manafort, the former chairman of President Trump's campaign, he's going to join us. He's got some very pointed words for Republicans. they got to stop sitting on the sidelines and not engaging on absentee ballots, he says. You can't unilaterally disarm. You're going to want to hear his argument. Dr. Harvey Risch, we're going to get the latest on all the unraveling of the old and untrue, but very aggressively imposed narratives about COVID-19, its origins, the early results of treatment and the failures of some treatment. Dr. Harvey Rich from Yale University, one of the great epidemiologists of the world. Victoria Coates, former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Trump, one of the great world experts. We're going to talk about that missile that fell in Poland and the propaganda war between Russia and Ukraine to explain what happened there. We're going to talk about Iran, China, President Biden's engagement with China over the last few days. Victoria Coates, one of the most important voices in national security. She'll be joining us. Mike Davis, he used to run the vetting process for all the judges and Supreme Court justices that got appointed to the Supreme Court after a hearing by the Senate Judiciary Committee. He's going to talk to us about the federal judiciary and how it is a significant legacy to President Trump's first term in office. Remember the student loan cancellation. The forgiveness plan was struck down by the courts, multiple courts, as were things like the vaccine and mass mandates. Well, that occurred because conservative, strict constitutionalist judges took the lead on those. And that's going to be important. Then we're going to finish up with one of my former lawyers. She, like Rudy Giuliani, was cleared of any wrongdoing for going to Ukraine and trying to learn about what Hunter Biden did, trying to represent lawfully some Ukrainian government and business officials. By the way, they never got to doing that. But Victoria Tensing, one of the great lawyers in Washington, former congressional staffer, former assistant attorney general, former prosecutor, worked on many important investigations, including with somebody you're going to hear from tomorrow, Congressman Pete Hookstrup. So we're going to have all of that back to back to back to back on Sunday. Manafort, Rich, 
Coates, Davis and Tensing sounds like a law firm. Actually, it's just an incredible Sunday lineup. That's what we got coming up over the next four days. Buckle your seatbelt. Enjoy. Again, thank you to AMAC for sponsoring today's show and being a part of our family. If you want to join AMAC, remember, go to amac.us slash justnews. You're going to get special discounts on any membership that you choose. All right, folks, that wraps it up. So excited to be with you today. May God bless you and may God bless this incredible country, the United States. Happy Thursday. We've wrapped it up. Thanks for listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. 